Good morning. Isn't that amazing? Come. Come, Emmanuel. God with us. That's what we get to celebrate this morning. Those of you that don't know me, my name is Roy Wright, and I'm the ministry coordinator here at First Baptist Church. And basically what that means is I get to work alongside our ministry staff and do whatever it is they ask me to do. So if that's helping to prepare hot chocolate or schedule people to prepare hot chocolate, that's what I do. I am very, very humbled today to be able to stand here. It is a blessing. It is a great blessing. And I will be the first to tell you, I in my own power and strength am not worthy of this honor. So just know that as we begin today. Brother Fred, thank you for this opportunity. It's been about six years that he has been mentoring and discipling me, um, and the time has come that I get to share. So I really appreciate it. It's taken that long to work on me. And he figures he's retiring anyway, so if I mess up, what are you going to do, fire him? (laughs) So here's what I'd like us to do in this time and this moment. We've come in here with things on our minds and things in our heart. It's Christmas season where we celebrate the coming of Christ. We have things planned. We have people we want to visit. We have presents that we need to buy. Maybe you're thinking right now about your Sunday school class coming up. Maybe you're considering, will we make it out of here on time this afternoon to beat everyone else to the restaurant? All of these different things, we come in here with hurts, and we come in here with habits and hang-ups and all of those things. Right now I ask, be present in this moment. Be here now and put those distractions to the side. Listen to what God has for us this morning. So I beg you, take one moment right now and just breathe and be in the room. As we begin this morning, I want to tell you a little bit about myself. I identify with the Apostle Paul. And some of you might raise an eyebrow and say, really? You think you're like Paul? Well, not the go anywhere, do anything, and preach the gospel to all people, Paul. No, not that guy. I identify with the Paul of Romans 7. Verse 18, when he says this, For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is in my flesh. I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. You heard that correctly. Paul, the defender of the faith, the man who met God on the road to Damascus, he trained up Timothy and sent him out to churches, and he trained up other disciples to go and preach the good news. He was put in chains, in prison, and he eventually even faced death and was killed for his preaching and his teaching and his belief. That Paul said, there's nothing good in me apart from Christ. I want to do these good things, but I don't have the ability to carry them out. That's what I identify with. 
When I'm living my life in my own natural way of doing things, my sinful nature, it's all about me. Everything that I want is what comes out. That's what it's speaking of here when Paul says the flesh, the Bible calls that our flesh, our sinful nature. I'm sure many of you have heard that term before. When I'm acting out of my sinful nature, it's all about me. And anyone that opposes me and my way of doing things, I want to destroy them. I want to win. Maybe you want to win too. I want to be happy. I want pleasure. I want everything that this world has to offer when it's all about me. But there's hope. I'm going to tell you today, the hope has a name. And his name is Jesus. And he has overcome that sinful nature. And we'll get to that in just a moment. You see, the Bible talks to us about Jesus. And I'm sure you're not surprised that I mention his name and say that Jesus is our hope. I mean, you did come to church this morning. You're in a place that believes that the Bible is the infallible word of God, that it's true it contains truth, it's holy and it's complete, and you can't add to it or take away. That's what we believe here. And we're going to look to scriptures today to help us understand this hope who is Jesus. Because if you're celebrating anything else during this time of Christmas, I'm going to tell you right now you're celebrating the wrong thing. And there's a group of people that did that, and we're going to look at that too. So we're going to look at two stories and both reveal something about Jesus. And he actually makes some pretty substantial claims about himself. And the first story that we're going to look at is, is what Derek read this morning. And it's in John chapter 7. If you want to go ahead and turn there. John chapter 7. And we have to understand when Jesus speaks, we need to listen. Would you agree with that? Alright, so Jesus is going to speak here. And he's going to profess something about himself. And the way that it's received and understood, that's, that directly affects how the person receiving it will live their life. So when we receive the word of God into our minds and into our hearts, it leads us to respond and live life based upon what we think about that. All right? So first story here. And Jesus is going to tell us that he's the source of life. Listen to this. Beginning in verse 37. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirst, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now, this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. We have to stop right here. It's not the end of the story, but we have to stop right here and take a moment and pause and see what's going on. There's a feast. There's some type of feast happening. And this is when Jesus speaks these words and says, I'm the guy. All right. This feast is called the Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of Booths. And the Feast of Tabernacles... Tabernacle means a temporary dwelling or a tent. And it teaches us two things. Two main things about God. 
It celebrates God's salvation and God's provision. Well, how, how does a feast do that? Well, the Jewish people were instructed to observe this feast every year. All right? And that began when they were saved and they had salvation from slavery under Pharaoh in Egypt. And then they went out into the wilderness after God destroyed Pharaoh in Egypt and the army. And they went out to the wilderness and God provided for them. He provided for them with bread from heaven called manna. And he provided for them water, which is our life. It's life-sustaining. We need water to live from a rock. I might need some water this morning. And so this, this feast provides and shows God's salvation and his provision. But it does something else. And we'll get to that. During the feast, the celebration, the priest would take a pitcher of water and he'd fill it up with water. All right? Remember how we said that God provided water as life? And he'd walk over to the altar and he'd march and he'd profess to the altar and he'd pour that water around the altar as a resemblance of God's provision. Right? So every year, folks would stand and they'd watch this take place and they'd set up their temporary dwellings and they'd watch the priests do these, um, these rituals and then at the end, most people just kind of went on and they missed the whole point. So it's at this moment and this time that Jesus stands up and says, guess what, this feast that you've been celebrating this time together, that's about me. I'm the guy. I'm the one. I am the salvation and I am the provision. If you look at this, this is, this is a picture. Thank you so much. Let it be known of you that we need water. So we look at how this feast points to Jesus because how can he make such a claim that he's the one that, that, that this is all about? Remember the word tabernacle, right? Feast of tabernacles. In John 1.14, it says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Do you know that term dwelt? It's the same word tabernacled. The word Jesus, the man, he became flesh and he tabernacled in a temporary dwelling in skin, just like you and me, and he was here. So tabernacle, feast of tabernacles. Second things, John chapter 6, it calls Jesus the bread of heaven. We celebrate in this feast about how God provided for the people in the wilderness. And then in Revelations 21.6, Jesus is the one who offers living water without payment. It's amazing. People came to this feast and this festival and didn't even realize who it was all about. And they missed something. So we can't skip over a little detail here that Jesus, when he shouts, and he shouts out, if anyone thirsts. If is such a small word. Do you know if in the English language, it's a conjunction. It joins two thoughts or two ideas together. Well, what ideas does, does this connect? Because Jesus says, if you thirst. Let's look at that. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. So what happens next? And whoever does this and believes in me, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. In order for those statements to be true when it's joined together with if... 
Both have to be absolutely true. So if you want to have this living water from Jesus, first you've got to be thirsty. And that's my biggest question this morning. Everything is going to build on this question is, are you thirsty? Are you thirsty? Are you thirsty for Jesus? Well, as you know, um, at this moment in time, Jesus cries out, and what do the people do? They come running up to him and they say, hey, we need this water. We want to have this living water. You're the one and you're the source and you're the life. Give us this water, right? No. They were just like us. Some were thirsty, some were not. Let's see as we continue on in the story. Verse 40, when they heard these words, some of the people said, this really is the prophet. Okay, they're getting close. Others said, this is the Christ. Side note, those people were correct. But some said, is the Christ to come from Galilee? Has not the scripture said that Jesus comes from the offspring of David and comes from Bethlehem, the village where David was? This next verse sums up how the people received the message. It says here, verse 43, so there was a division among the people over him. How sad. How sad that all these people came for the feast and they missed the master of the feast. They missed the one who it was all about. And they weren't thirsty for him. Are you thirsty? Are you thirsty? So, the people were divided. And I do want to ask you this question. I like to ask a lot of questions. It helps me contemplate and think and process. So, are you divided about who Jesus is? Because if you're not convinced that he is who he says he is, you will never be thirsty for him. And see, we will try to provide our own solution for an eternal problem by drinking from this world instead of drinking from him. So how do we get past division? Here's some practical steps. It's in your notes if you want to follow along. Number one. You've heard this phrase before, I need to hear it again, so I'm going to share it with you today. Number one, realize it's not about you. We need to hear that, especially at Christmas. I love receiving gifts. My wife's the best gift getter in the whole world. She gets good gifts, and I love getting them. But Christmas is not about the gift that I get. It's not about getting, getting, getting it's about Jesus. Realize it's not about you. Listen to what John the Baptist says here in John chapter 3, verse 30. Such a valuable statement. He says, he, Jesus, must increase and I must decrease. When John said this, what was going on is there were folks that were actually flocking to Jesus and going after his message and Jesus was starting to baptize people, and John's disciples got worried. They wanted 
their teacher and their master to be the one who gets all of the attention, right? We're following this guy. John, John the Baptist, what's going on here? He's getting all these, Jesus is getting all the attention. What about us? What about, and he says, guys, whoa, 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 stop. It's not about me. It's never been about me. It's always been about him. We have to remember that. We have to remember that or we'll never be thirsty. What do people get when life is all about me? Think about that. When people come to you, what do they get from you when life is all about you? So, I've got this picture up here. I like visuals. It's kind of something that helps me to learn. If you consider your life, okay, what do people get when it's all about me? If you consider your life as a jar, all right? Then you have your jar, and everything that is you, you put into this jar. My hopes, my dreams, my talents, my abilities, the gifts that, that I have, it, me, it's all here. But you know what also goes in there? The good habits, the bad ones, the yucky ones that no one knows about but you, right? It's all in the jar. And so when people come to you, and life is all about you and your flesh, that's what they get. Pride, greed, lust, all of those things, it's in the jar, right? So we have to realize life is not about us. Say, okay, well, Roy, you've explained to me that life is not about me. I've heard that a thousand times. You've showed me this jar that you're saying is my life jar and everything about me is in this jar. Okay, I agree, life is not about me. How do I deal with the jar? We've got to deal with the jar. So if we look at step number two in your notes, and I promise it's all going to tie back. It's all going to come together for you. Number two, empty your jar. Empty your jar. Here at First Baptist Church, we have a discipleship program, and it's all based, and its foundation is on one primary scripture that Jesus tells us. It's in Luke 9, 23, and it goes this way. And Jesus said to them all, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. So we've got to deny ourselves here. We've got to empty the jar, and that's what denying myself means, is emptying my life jar of everything that's me, but I don't have the power to do that. And you don't have the power to empty your jar. There's one person that does. So you bring your jar to him, to Jesus, and he deals with it. And you know how he dealt with it? He took our life jar on himself and everything that's us, our sinful nature, the flesh, all of those things, and he poured it on himself and then you know what he did with it? He took it to the cross and he killed it. 
He took ourself so that we could deny ourselves, and he killed it on the cross. And that's amazing because in doing so, he gives us life. It doesn't make any sense. As one of our teenagers taught this week, she said, it's insane, right? I'm going to kill something so that I can give it life, okay? But that's what he did when we empty our jar. And you see, just as the priest went with the water during the feast and he poured it on the altar, Jesus' life was poured out on the altar. And with it, he killed all of us. Please understand when I say he killed all of us, our sinful nature, our bad habits, everything that was in the jar. Well, that's great, Roy, right? Jesus took our jar. Uh, You've told me this morning life's not about me. And you've also told me that um, I need to deny myself and get my life, my jar emptied, right? That's awesome. It's so encouraging, right? It is because an empty jar is amazing. And we'll find out what happens when we get to this point of an empty jar. We have the second story we're going to look at today where Jesus reveals the same thing to another person and they receive this life and something changes. This is in John chapter 4. Many of us are probably familiar with this story. And I love this story. I'm going to begin in verse 7. And a woman from Samaria came to draw water. Just then Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. That's another story all in itself. And Jesus answered her and said, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him. Here it is. And he would have given you living water. It's the same claim that Jesus stood up at the feast and said. Different result though. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with. And the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? See, she's thirsty. You see it? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. And Jesus said to her, listen to this. Everyone who drinks of this water in the well will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And I love this next verse, because she starts to get it right here. Verse 15, the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water, so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water again. Listen, she was thirsty. She came there for a purpose and a reason, and she said, give me the water that you're talking about. And you know what happened after that? There was more conversation And Jesus told her everything about herself, right? Because she's drinking in the truth from Jesus and it changed her life. And you know what happened? This is awesome. She went there with a jar 
Guess what? She left the jar at Jesus' feet. And she ran to the town and she said, Come see a man. Come see Jesus who told me everything about myself. Come see this Christ who's given me life. See the result? See the difference? She was thirsty. And so she drank from Jesus and she got life. And it became, as Jesus said, a well of living water that bubbled out of her. So there's, there's a couple things here. The first group, Jesus offers the same thing. And he says, if you get it, you'll become rivers of living water. And they said, eh, I don't know. Eh, not sure. She got it. And she became that spring. So I ask you, church, what kind of river is flowing from your heart? How are you trying to fill yourself? Is it with yourself or is it with Jesus? Especially at this time of Christmas. Don't miss the master of the feast, right? I have some questions and these are challenging. I know they're challenging because God has been asking me these same questions for a while now. So you're going to hear them for the first time today. And let it land on you the way it needs to land on you. And then we'll conclude and we'll have some time of decision-making in that moment. Church, when we think of the woman and what happened with her, because she could not contain the living water that was inside of her, and she went out and she became this vessel, and Jesus burst forth from her, and it got on everything and everyone that was around. She could not contain it. Is that us? Do the people that you encounter every day even know that you're a believer? If you are a believer, do the people that you're around every day even know that? Do people get you or do they get Jesus? Do they get your opinions and your contempt for how they live their life or do they get truth? And God's grace. This is a hard one for me. Roy, do your children get you or do they get Jesus? Do you raise them to love Jesus more than anything or do you emphasize education and sports and any other extracurricular activities? Listen, those are important, but if they're more important than Jesus, they're getting me. Do my children love Jesus more because of how I live my life? Do the people around you know more about your political affiliation than they do about your God? That's, that's a tough one right now, right? Does the world around you know your hobbies and your sports teams? We won't talk about sports. I'm not going there, okay? I hope they don't know them today, except this gentleman right here. It's got the A. Does the world around you know your hobbies, your sports teams, your occupation, or do they know that you know Jesus? If Jesus was to scroll through your social media posts... 
would he even see himself there? And if he found himself there, what's going to be before him and after him? Because I can tell you, he does not want to be sandwiched between hate and anger and frustration and everything else that you don't like about this world. Right? I think you get the point. Does the way that you live reveal that it's all about you or all about Jesus? Because the people at the feast, they made it about themselves. They wanted to check that box to make sure that they're at the festival and they're doing what they're supposed to do. And in all of that, the rituals and the practices and everything, the one who it's all about stood up and says, it's me, it's me, I'm here. And they missed him. And they weren't thirsty. So I've got two questions. I actually had a lot of questions today, right? It's a lot to to consider and think about. Before I ask these questions, I want you to know, I have to examine my life daily. I am not preaching this at you at all. God has been preaching this to me. And it's just coming out. If you're anything like me, and you've got a mess in your jar, and you're not thirsty for Jesus, there's hope. And that hope is Jesus. He can can deal with that. I have to analyze and look and examine my life every day. And sometimes I get to the end of the day and I think, I was not a river of living water for anyone or anything. That was point number three. You get to be rivers of living water. And I look at my life and I say, I made it all about me. I really missed the mark today. I've got friends in here. They know some of my junk. And when it's about me, that's what people get is my junk. But I want people to get Christ. As a church and a body of believers, our world needs Jesus more than ever. And they're thirsty. I'm telling you, they're thirsty. Even if they don't know it, they're thirsty. We've got to be that bubbling spring and that, those rivers of life for them. So let me ask you, as we move into a time of invitation and we conclude here, and the musicians can come forward. Two final questions. First one, are you thirsty? Are you thirsty for Jesus or are you divided about who you think he is? Or are you like the woman at the well who got it and left her jar and took off because she couldn't contain the life that was in her? Are you thirsty? Because you can't be in between. You've got to be one or the other. You're either guzzling from the source who is life or you're dried up and it's all about you. And the last question we have. How's your jar? How's your jar this morning? Is it time to empty it of all things that are you? Is it time to bring your jar and as the woman did, leave it at the feet of Jesus right here? I think it's a great picture. It helps me understand that life is not all about me. I've got to be thirsty for the right thing and the right thing is Jesus. He's the only thing. He's the only thing. 
This morning, as, as I pray, consider if you're thirsty and how's your jar. And maybe you need to come forward. Maybe you need to bring your jar up here and lay it down at the foot of Jesus and say, please remove everything that's me. Maybe you're the one that says, I need this life. I don't know everything you're talking about, but I know I've been living life about me. And I'm thirsty for something and I've tried to fill it with wealth and happiness and food and whatever this world gives us, right? But I want Jesus. I want to know more about him. You can come forward. We're going to have ministers up here that you can come and talk to. If you need to take time and leave your jar up here, leave your jar. Let's pray together. God, I thank you. I thank you that you're our source of life. I thank you that when we put our trust and our hope in you, you empty us of ourselves because, as Paul said, there's nothing good that dwells in us apart from you. And I thank you that you fill us with life-giving water and we can become rivers of water and an overflowing spring for someone else. That we can shout from the rooftops, come see a man who gave me life. God, deal with us this morning however you need to deal with us. Decisions that we need to make. Perspectives that need to change. We give this time to you. Amen.